families uh, take care of a lot of things around the kitchen table. We, we eat there, um, maybe we work out our budget, you know, we talk through things, mom and dad, husband and wife get together, think through the budget, plan vacations, deal with expectations, work through conflict. Uh, around that table, uh, stories are told that carry family values and characteristics and where we get a sense of what we're all about. And we're going to talk this morning, uh, we're going to do a little of all of that, and we're going to talk about family characteristic of God's people. We're going to look at something that God wants to grow in all of His children. Uh, if you're a follower of Christ, you'll be reminded of this, and He's working to help you grow this in your life. If you're not yet a follower, you can learn uh, where He'll lead you if you decide to follow in, in this area. Uh, scripture's perspective that we've been looking at uh, in this series is that God is the owner of the universe, everything in it, all of us included. He's the owner who gives. He's a giver. He's, ex- he's incredibly generous. And we, we looked at a passage that says that he richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He's, he's made the world the way it is. He's put the earth in the position in the universe that it's in so it can sustain life. And he, he brought us to life because in his heart of hearts, he wants us to really enjoy life. He wants us to, to find him, to know him. And his heart is to bless the people he's made. Another key perspective in Scripture that we've looked at is that we're stewards and conduits. Very easy to get the idea that we're owners because our name tends to be on the the deed of the house or on the title of the car, and we've got stuff that resides in our house. We've got things and possessions and everything. So it's easy to see the things that we have as something we own. But in reality, we're stewards, the Scripture says, of our, our things, our money and our things, that we've been entrusted with these for a brief amount of time because in reality, all of our money and possessions passes through our hands and it will be left to others. A friend of mine who, works in the fun- or who worked in the funeral business for years, now he's in ministry, uh, he said, you never see luggage racks on a hearse. You, you just don't. I mean, our stuff, we don't take it with us. It, it just passes through our hands and we leave it. And when we clench our fist around the money that we have and the possessions we have, and we try to hold on at all costs, life is not good. It's not the way God intended it to be. It's not how he made us to handle things. As we handle the flow of money that comes in and passes through our hands, God wants us to develop generosity in this. He, he wants to work in our heart to develop this. Actually... What he wants to do is he wants to draw generosity out of us because we're made in the image of God. And there's there's something he's put in us that really begins to click when we learn to give, when we learn to be givers. Uh, Being a conduit basically means we're stewards and conduits. And what it means is we have an open hand with what we've been given. We open up our hands to God. And we allow him to direct how we use the resources he's provided us with. But it's very easy 
to get afraid of what God might do if we open our hand rather than clench our fist? What's he going to do? What's he going to lead us to do? And so there's hurdles, there's obstacles that we have to get over in our mind and in our heart in order to become givers. So we laid out some reasons why people don't give. There's just things that maybe you've thought, I know some of them I've thought, and they've been obstacles in my own mind. But here's 10 reasons why people don't give. We're going to start at number 10. I don't have a plan. That's that's one. Uh, Maybe maybe we've never taken time uh, to... uh, put together a monthly budget, and so we just don't have a plan for giving. We've never, or we have a budget, we've never included giving in the budget. It's just not there. I don't give because I haven't planned to give. Number two, or number nine, sorry, I'm just plain stingy. You know, my favorite character in the Christmas stories is Scrooge. This could be one, one reason you don't give. You know, forget Jimmy Stewart, forget George Bailey. Scrooge, that's my guy. I get him. I really connect to him. If you don't, uh, you know, uh, if, you, if you don't really have a heart to give or you want to store it up, maybe that's it. I don't know, number uh, eight, I can't give right now, but I plan to start in the future. Putting it off, it's in our long-term plans, but I want to be obedient uh, eventually, but not, not right now. Number seven, I don't know how my giving is used. My dad was not a fan of fireworks. And I loved what he used to say about fireworks. When I was a kid, I was a fan. I'm still a fan, okay? I love to watch stuff blow up and go off. You know, you go to New Mexico, places like that, you can fire off some really cool stuff. Um, But my dad wasn't a fan. He just said, you might as well just pile up money and burn it. It's like burning money. And as an adult, I kind of get what he was saying. (laughs) I understand that, but... Uh, if you don't know how your offering is used, if you don't understand where it's going, the difference that it's making, uh, you can feel the same way about, about giving in church life. Um, number six, I'm so buried in debt I can't afford to give. Could be a thought. Uh, that, that makes sense to us on some level. Uh, since God doesn't want me in debt, then I'm sure he wants me to get out before I, I start giving. Number five, I don't know if I can trust what the church is going to do with it. I've seen the guys on TV. I've read the stories in the papers. Seems like these guys have a lot of money flowing into their coffers, and they do uh, some wrong things with it. And so I've seen that. That that track record makes me suspicious. And so this is a hurdle we have to get over. How how do I know if the people who end up with the money are qualified to manage it? Uh, Number four. I'm not sure I will have enough left over to survive. If I gave, our family would have to cut some spending. Isn't my family important to God? Isn't that you know, my responsibility? Number three, I've given before and God uh, hasn't blessed the way I wanted. You know, I've experienced blessing, but it hadn't been what I wanted. Um, number uh, two, I've never experienced God's blessing through giving, so I'm reluctant. I've never, never, never given. I've never experienced it. So I'm, I'm really hesitant to do this. Will God really bless generosity? Will he do that? Is he real? That's a bigger question. Is God real? And then finally, it's all mine. I can do what I want to with it. That's, that's the perspective we normally take. Most of these reasons come up because money's talking to us. It's saying stuff to us. And one of the things it says is, take care of me and mine first. The interesting thing in Scripture, 
it flips that. Jesus said, in a passage where he was talking about the solution to worry over money and living and survival, in that passage he said, honor God first, and he will take care of me and mine. He will take care of you and yours if you honor him first. Another place, Jesus said, it's more blessed, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, we tend to think the blessing's in the receiving. And that's, we describe getting stuff, getting a promotion, uh, and gaining more money. We describe that as the blessing of God, and it is. But our focus can shift as we grow. What God's going to try to do is He's going to try to grow our hearts and turn us inside out so our focus is on generosity and blessing those around us with the resources that God has given us. So he's going to take our focus off of receiving and put it on giving. What you find in Scripture is this. Giving is the first move to gain traction in in my finances. Now that's, that's counterintuitive to say the least, isn't it? Giving is the first move to gain traction with my finances. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a car stuck in the mud. If, if you have, then you may know how to get it out of the mud. But I, I haven't recently. I've, my tires have slipped a couple times in the mud, never been stuck. So I went to eHow. I looked at eHow. And uh, there's a list of things you do if your car gets stuck in the mud. And they're counterintuitive as well, because if you do what you think you should do, which is put the pedal to the metal... You're going to just spin your wheels and dig a deeper hole. So here's what it says. Number one, don't panic. I like that one. Don't panic. I would need that word. Okay, calm down. Calm down. You may get out. Number two, gently push the accelerator to ease off out of the pit. Number three, rock the car back and forth. This, this is what you do. I've seen this done. You, you rock the car back and forth. You turn the steering wheel so the wheels are straight and quickly switch back and forth rem, from reverse to forward. And to, now, would you think of this? I would not think of this. This wouldn't come to mind as I'm stuck in the mud. I'd be trying to calm down. Number four, let a little, if that doesn't work, it says, let, move on to the next step. Let a little air out of the tires because it increases the uh, the uh, the the area that the tires are meeting the ground. You let a little uh, air out of the tire, and then you continue trying to get out. Uh, And then remember to refill your tires as soon as you get to safety. (laughs) I like that one, too. Uh, Number five, five find something to place under your tires to provide traction. You can use tree branches, boards, old coat, blanket. Now, this step will almost always get a car unstuck from the mud, but if it doesn't work, you might need help. I, I like that one too. Get help. It says, call a tow truck or a friend with a winch to come and rescue you. <laughs> uh, we're all in different places with our finances. And if you're in a ditch, if you feel like you're stuck in the mud financially, God's given principles for gaining traction, they're counterintuitive. And you, you have to begin to experience the reality of God's truth and principles by doing them. You know, if you've been stuck in the mud, you've gained some experience and you know how to get out. If you've, if you've trusted God in terms of giving to Him and you've seen Him work, then you know how it works. 
it's an experiential thing. It's a very dynamic part of our walk with God. Uh, we may need help as well with our finances. Just like getting stuck out of the mud, we may need somebody to give perspective and give us help and show us how to do that. So we're trying to give some help uh, coming up in January with a finance seminar and then some groups where we can get together and, and talk, uh, Financial Peace University groups where we can talk about the principles and help each other out of the, the ditch. What's for sure, if you land in a ditch financially, you won't get out by doing the same things you've done to get in there. You're going to have to shift. You'll only get what you've always gotten if you do what you've always done. So there has to be a shift out of there. Here's the way to get traction from God's perspective. Let's look at this passage. And I'm just going to let it speak for itself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, if you're taking notes, that passage is on your listening guide this morning. It's on the handout. And I'd like you to circle the things that show our part of handling money God's way. Trust in the Lord, which means that we don't lean on our own understanding. We trust in God and we try to find out what he says, what he thinks, his perspective on money. Giving is where faith gets very real for us. This is a very real aspect of faith. And it means that we are not wise in our own eyes. Circle fear of the Lord, which means that we turn away from evil. In other words, we take God so seriously that we find out what his commands are, what his directions are, and his boundaries, and we stay inside of those boundaries. And then finally, circle honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth and first fruits. Those are, that's our part of handling our finances in a way that pleases God and brings his blessing. Notice the term first fruits. Interesting term. This is another counterintuitive part of giving to get traction. It makes perfect sense to us to cover our expenses first and then give God if we have give to God if we have anything left over. But to give the first fruits means that you give to God first. A percentage of your income off the top, and then you learn to live on the rest. You steward the rest in a way that allows you to, to do what you need to do. This is faith. Giving the first fruits, that is faith in action. And God is incredibly pleased with faith. And he responds. But you have to take that step of faith in order to see God work. It's something you just have to to trust him to do. You have to trust in the Lord, fear him, and realize this is the way he works, and test it out. Learn from experience that he's faithful. If we live this way, look at what God promises. He will make straight paths. You and I don't want crooked paths to our goals. There are things in our heart of hearts that we really want. We don't want to go all on a winding road to those things. We want to go straight. Well, God takes us right where we want to be. He, he, he helps us begin to experience the things that we really long for in our heart of hearts. It's healing 
to our flesh and refreshment to our bones. This life is good as we learn to walk by faith, as we learn to honor him with our wealth. And then our barns will be filled with plenty and our vats bursting with wine. He will bless and he will give plenty. This is God's response. This is the way he works in every area of our life. We learn what pleases him. We set out to do it. As we do it in faith, he brings his blessing. And the interesting thing about our finances is this is where God really responds. Because as we've been talking, it's so close to our hearts. And God wants us to learn to trust him, even with our money and possessions that we've worked so diligently and given so much of our lives to gain. So this is, this, is, this is where a lot of the action is as we learn to trust God. Here's a word to Christians in the first century about generosity. Look at 1 Timothy 6. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Isn't that an interesting phrase? This is how you get a grasp on the life that God wants for you. Open-handed living honors God so that we take hold of the life that is truly life. We were made to be givers. We, we, God is a giver, as I said. We're made in the image of a very generous God. And when we give, we really hum. Birds can walk, you know, birds can walk. They, they have talons that can grip branches of a tree to stand. But they were made to fly. And when they fly, it's a beautiful thing. They, it's, 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 it's just a very graceful thing to watch. You know, walking, not so graceful. Standing, okay, they can stand. When they fly, that's when it's beauty and grace. You know, we can add and subtract. We can spend. But when we give, we were made to be generous, and when we give, it's a beautiful thing. Very graceful. We, we, we hand to others the generosity that reflects God. We give them and bless them with the things he's blessed us with. This is a direct reflection of the God that we serve. We were made to do this, and when we do, we experience the life that is truly life. Now, here are some benefits of open-handed living. Just listed a few. Uh, first of all, we please God and we're blessed. When we give, he's pleased. We reflect him in the way that he intends, and he responds by pouring out blessing. Sometimes he responds in tangible ways, sometimes intangible, but blessing means that everything's going well with us. When we walk by faith, God blesses. And honors that. Number two, it ties our hearts to those with whom we share. If we're giving to, to church life, we're giving in the offering, it connects our hearts to what we're trying to accomplish here. If we're giving to somebody in need, it connects us and it that's exciting, that's fun. That's it's it's just connects us to them uh, in a way that we're not connected if we just hold on to it. Because our investment is where our heart goes. Our heart goes in the direction of where we make our investments, so the things that are important to us, our treasures. Number three, we take part in something bigger than ourselves when we give to God's purposes. Uh, 
We're helping to extend his kingdom and we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Number four, it helps break us free from the chains of materialism. This is what giving does, a pattern of giving. Just materialism can just ruin you. You know, just, you keep wanting, you know, you, you get the thing that you've wanted for a few months or a couple years, then you want the next thing. And you just, you've got this inside of you, you've got this stuff stirring up to make you want and want and want. It could be a real trap. And giving, if we learn to give uh, in a practical, planned way, then it frees us. It begins to free us from materialism. Number five, our faith grows for challenges in other arenas. There, there, we need to trust God with our family life, with our work life, with, with uh, our decisions, in our relationships, our friendships. We need to learn to trust God all across the board. And if we learn to trust Him with our finances, it, it grows our faith for other arenas as well. Number six, we have a good foundation for the future. That's what the passage says. And number seven... We make progress financially. This is how we get traction. This is the way we get moving. As you give and faithfully steward the resources God gives you, He blesses, He helps you, He provides the things that you need. Now, you may want to grow in giving, but if it's new to you, it can be overwhelming to think, where do I start? How, how do I start growing in this? And uh, what helps me uh, in establishing a new habit is take the first step. What, to identify what that first step is and to take the first step. So no matter where you are, I want to uh, just ask you to consider uh, where God would have you begin, what step he would want you to take. As you decide to take the steps to give, then this pleases God. It's a faith move. And it begins to help you get traction in finances, and really in every area of life. So choosing faith is the way to see God work in and through your life. So the way it works is God's grace provides what we need to excel in giving. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, he's speaking to a church in Corinth, uh, you excel in faith, gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Giving is not always easy. doesn't come natural. Uh, we have a natural reflex to sort of clench our fist around the things that are considered our own. Um, to give in a way that God gives, we need grace. We need his help. And grace just the favor of God, it, it strengthens us, it empowers us to do what pleases him. And so we need his grace to unclench our fist around our money and stuff. Adopting the habit of giving uh, and learning to excel in it is like taking the first step on a rung of a ladder. Like any ladder, you, you, there's a first step, there's a second step. I've tripped over a few by trying to take you know, more than one. Um, not a, maybe not a few, maybe once or twice. <laughs> I did learn eventually. Uh, but you have to choose to get to the first rung, secure your footing there, and then once you're there, keep moving on. So we want to look at climbing the generosity ladder. Rung number one, basic level given. There's different levels of giving that God wants us to grow through. You may have the faith just to jump to rung three. You know, there are three rungs we're going to look at this morning, but the first one is 
Return an initial gift to God in a way that's identifiable and accountable. So, in a way that it can be tracked. Um, you, you get on the ladder by opening your hand and returning this gift to God, the first gift. When people come around church and God begins to work in their life, uh, they want to contribute. It's, this is a normal thing. It's a normal response. You don't necessarily give a lot of thought uh, to what to give or how you're going to give. You give spontaneously out of appreciation. Uh, the decision to give is the first rung, just the, the spontaneous giving. But the first rung is giving an initial gift and beginning to give in a way that's identifiable, that makes sense, that you've planned, you've thought this through. Number two uh, rung is obedience-level giving, return the full tithe to God. When we decide to get serious about giving, and move from emotional to intentional, uh, the, the next question is, how much should we give? And the answer to that question can be emotional as well. Um, so God established a non-emotional threshold for giving. Uh, it's called the tithe. And this is his standard bottom level giving for those who uh, follow him uh, from before the Old Testament law was given and after the, the Old Testament law, this is the standard. The word tithe means 10%. So um, giving 10% is God's giving threshold. Second rung. Uh, the tithe is especially used to infuse the church with resources so that God's kingdom can continue to expand in the best possible way. And so when you give, uh, everything we do is supported by your gifts and your giving. The third rung on the ladder we'll call peak-level giving, becoming a generous giver. A generous life is characterized by three main things. First of all, a willingness to stretch yourself. You know, you just, you just don't give in a way that's comfortable to you, but you're willing to stretch yourself. This is peak-level. This is what mountain climbers do. You know, it's like they see a peak, they see a mountain, and they want to stretch themselves and reach out to get to the peak. That's peak level. Number two, a desire to be generous with others. There's just this heart. When, some, when you see a need, you just start giving automatically. You, you give and you help people out. And number three, a decision to use your income fully to accomplish God's, God's purposes in the world. This is where God's going to grow you. He's going to grow you into this. From young, rung one, two, three. He wants you to grow this way. And if you cooperate with him and if you walk by faith, you'll begin to see him work in ways that challenge you to move on. I'd like for you to hear from Joel Berry this morning. He's going to come up and share some things with us. Um, he's grown in this area of giving through the years, and I've asked him to share particularly uh, just out of his own growth high. <laughs> he's here. <laughs> um, and give us some perspective and particularly share a story about how God's really blessed him. But uh, Joel, would you tell us about your family a little bit? Yeah, um, I am married to my wife Emily for 12 years, 2001, <laughs> yes. And we have three children, a seven-year-old daughter, a five-year-old son, and a two-year-old son. And uh, we live in West Covina. All right. What do you do for work? I do a lot of things that all add up to hopefully paying the mortgage at the end of every month, or the beginning of every month. I teach part-time at uh, Chafee College in broadcast and cinema. I uh, substitute teach elementary school, high school when uh, we need that. 
and I have a production company, so I shoot and script and edit productions, um, and I do some acting, some commercial acting as well. So a little bit of everything. Good deal. So you're in your company's in startup mode, mm. trying to get into the industry. So you do a lot of stuff. Correct. That's good. All right. And also, uh, Joel serves as a life group leader here and a leader in the hospitality team, and he's a host occasionally. So you see him up here, hosting as well. So Joel. Um, what were your initial concerns or reservations about giving when you first started thinking, oh, that, that offering keeps coming by, I need, to, I need to do something about that? Yeah. Well, I grew up in church. My mom and dad are Christians, so I knew giving was just what you do, right? But I, it wasn't my money when I was a kid, so it was, <laughs> I, 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 way to go, mom and dad, keep doing that. So it really, I was eight or nine when it, giving dawned on me where I thought, who buys mom and dad Christmas presents? Because <laughs> it dawned on me that uh, I didn't. I didn't buy anybody presents. I was the baby in the family, so I was very used to receiving. And that was a big uh, pleasure of mine. So, <laughs> so I remember at eight or nine years old thinking, hmm, you know, there's probably more to life than just me getting what I want. And then uh, getting into adulthood, obviously it was my money. And that I had to make, and I had to make a decision, you know, if this was uh, as real to me as it was to my parents. And the, the, the tithe, uh, the 10% made sense early on, giving that made sense, thankfully, because it had been modeled for me. Hmm. So, so that part, I just assumed, wasn't ever mine, so, which was helpful. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, what helped you begin to take steps toward giving? What, what was it that sort of um, helped you move toward being more generous? Well, a few things. One thing, early on, when I was 9 or 10 years old, I started reading the Bible because I thought that's what you should do. Um, uh, and I'd seen that modeled in my house as well. And I started with page 1, Genesis. It's like, let's just go through the Bible here. And, <laughs> and what I, but I read a lot of stories of how, who God is and what you can expect from him. And that really helped me because when we do business with people, uh, go to the grocery store or a car mechanic or whoever, we kind of want to know, can I trust this person with my money? And are they going to do what they say they're going to do with it? And because I'd read story after story of who God is, as I got older, I, I could quickly re refer to that and say, well, well, I know that he can be trusted. I've read about it. I've, I've seen it. And then I've seen, you know, my parents trust God. So that helped. But fast forwarding into adulthood, you know, we, uh, I started a production company in 2006, you know, so that my wife could stay home with uh, our, our first daughter, our first kid. She was pregnant at the time. So she resigned and she was making most of our money. And um, we had savings, but I was talking to my wife on the way here this morning, um, and, and she said, well, yeah, giving was always, we, it was something we knew we always had to do. She goes, but it became really real for her when there wasn't any savings. You can give, and you can say, well, yeah, but we have savings if we need it. Well, we went from, we had tens of thousands of dollars, about $30,000 in stocks, savings, and assets when she resigned. And then it was like poking a hole in like a styrofoam cup full of water, and there it went. And I was like, I've got to make money. I've got to make money. And fast forward seven years later, all of that money is gone. And we've been month to month since probably the summer of 2006. So how has God grown you to be more generous? And what are some examples of ways he's done that and maybe mm -hmm. how he's, he's really blessed you? Well, one thing I knew all the time, no matter if we had money, enough money or not, it seemed like on paper, is that we needed to give because God has always been good to us and, and our needs were, were always met. Sorry. They're right. 
they're used to. I've hung around Randy a lot. So. <laughs> um, but to see how good God has been over and over again, and, and we, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't not give. And uh, there's plenty of stories. There are stories where uh, we didn't have a bed for our daughter, and people from church bought her one. It's a toddler bed, and now our third kid is using that one when he decides to sleep in his own bed. <laughs> so it's one of those things where we've seen God. People have been generous to us, but we never gave thinking, oh, I hope someone gives us something because we're doing this. Or I, I just knew that it was right. So first of all, just being satisfied with obedience to God really helped me because I was like, God is going to come through. Whether I, it come, he comes through how I want him to or how I think it should look or not, um, he always has, and he continues taught me a lot through that. Um, one specific story was uh, that I think it was 2006 or 2007, that first year or two after Emily had resigned, um, I got a job uh, working on a commercial, which I was grateful for, and it was $150 for the day, and I, I was excited just to be working, right? So I, I'm driving to the job that morning, and I feel like God, I hear God say to me, you need to give this money to me. And I was like, well, sure, I can give you your 10%. <laughs> and, uh, but really the conversation was, I want you, the $150 is mine. And I said, I believe you. And I also thought, and God said to me in that moment, because I am the God who holds all the resources of heaven and earth. I can release them whenever I want. I can hold them back whenever I want. And do you believe me? And I said, yeah, I do. But I have a wife at home, so it, it, I, I'm on board, God. But by the time I get home tonight and I tell her this, her heart needs to be ready to hear this. Because if she's not on board, I, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so <clears throat> that was the conversation uh, with God on the way to this job. And I said, God, yeah, prepare her heart for this conversation when I land home tonight. And I just made up my mind before I even stepped on the commercial set that I wasn't, I wasn't keeping that money, which helped. So I work that day, and I get paid, and then I go home, and I say, hey, to my wife. Um, I was thinking about this, and I started with the, you know, God holds the resources of heaven and earth, and I just think uh, this check should be all his. And I don't remember what she was doing, but she's like, yeah, that sounds good. And then she was on with the rest of her night. And I was like, huh, so now I have to really write the check. <laughs> um, so... We did that. I did that. And then the following week in the mail I received uh, from a family member, I unprompted a $1,200 check in the mail. And it's not like, okay, how, you know, what's the math here? If I give this all the way up, what am I going to get in the next week in the mail? It was really like uh, God just reminding me, I hold all the resources, and I will let them go, and I will always take care of you. And month to month to month to month since 2006, I've seen that happen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Thanks Thank for sharing you. with us. Joel's story is not uncommon for those who step out in faith to, to stretch, to give, to be generous. We need God's grace to do that, uh, to, to grow to new levels of generosity on that ladder. No one makes the climb on their own power, and uh, God really responds. But what you can expect if you follow Jesus is you can expect Jesus to lead you to higher levels of giving and personal influence in the lives of the people around you. No matter where you are, God can give you the grace to, to begin to give, and he can help you get traction. If you do it his way, he can help you get traction with your, your finances.
I'd like to wrap up the message by asking you to think through some next steps. They're on the back of the connection card. Uh, they're also on your handout as well. And they're, they're simple today. There's just a couple of them. Uh, first of all, you might want to memorize Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Um, second step would be to determine my next move in giving. You know, maybe, maybe you haven't really thought about it a whole lot or maybe God's been stirring your heart to step up to another rung. Uh, what's your next move? Is it step up to rung one, two, or three? Basic level giving, obedience level giving, or peak level giving. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, God. Like Joel said, you hold the resources of heaven and of earth, and you, you distribute them in a way that pleases you and, and makes perfect sense in the big scheme of things. And God, help us learn to trust you to work in our lives to accomplish your will and purpose with our finances and in every area across the board. May we learn to do what pleases you by walking in faith, and may we experience the truth of your faithfulness, God, because you are faithful and kind and gracious and loving. So we honor you and we thank you for your goodness to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, good morning. I'm Brad Rosman, and I help out with communications here.